You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode 12 of Take a Bow. I'm Eli Tokash. And I'm Sydney Lucas. And today we have casting director Jennifer Rudin on for our 12th episode. And you guys, we are so excited because this is our first time that we are going to have a non-actor, I guess you could say, on the podcast. It's pretty cool because we've only had actors on, so it was neat to hear from Jen and get a new perspective. That's what I love so much about this podcast is because there are a lot of different roles in the business that, you know, like casting directors, directors, writers, dressers, makeup artists that also deserve to take bows. So we can't wait to share her perspective with you. And she had a lot of incredible insight and and things to say. So you're, you're going to love what she has to say. And also, if you love this podcast, then after listening to this podcast, go check out her book, Confessions of a Casting Director. She has a lot of amazing information in that. As well as her own podcast, which is with the same name, Confessions of a Casting Director. And it's very similar to the book where she talks about not only like auditioning and stuff like that, but also like acting tips and it's really cool. So yeah, everyone should go check that out for sure. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to hear what she has to say. For sure. Cool. So should we send it over to Jen? Let's send it over to Jen. Jennifer Rudin, curtain up. Welcome back, everyone. We have such a special guest on today. We are so excited to have her on to share a really unique perspective of the business. Everyone, please welcome the award-winning casting director, writer, and audition coach, Jen Rudin. (laughs) So good to see you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like an ant because I feel like I've watched you both grow over the years. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my God, they're all grown up. And like, Aww. I knew you when you were, you know, I mean, we're talking at least a good of Sydney for sure, 2013. Eli, probably before oh, yeah. that. So, yeah. wow, it's nice to see you guys. And typical at 2020, we have to make a podcast date in order to cast <laughs> back. Yeah, know. no, we've known each other for like, since I was nine, eight. Yeah, it's a funny story because I, it was the summer of 2013 and I call it the summer of Peter. I was casting Peter Rabbit for Nick Jr. And Jake Lucas got the part. And then I was casting Peter Bogdanovich's live action movie. She's funny that way. So it was, I had two Peters going on, completely different projects. <laughs> and Peter Bogdanovich said to me, we had to cast Owen Wilson's kids Catherine Hahn and Owen Wilson's kids in the right. movie. And he said to me, you know, it'd be great if you could bring in some real siblings. And so I said, okay. So I knew about a couple different sets of siblings. And then I wanted to bring in Jake Lucas because I had just met him for Peter Rabbit. And I thought, oh, he's he's brilliant. And so it was Rachel Altman, your agent, who said, you know, he has a little sister. And I said, really? Well, okay, let's do it. And so I didn't know Sydney, bring her straight to Peter Bogdanovich, a famous, you know, filmmaker. And I'm thinking to myself, hope she's good, because like it's Peter Bogdanovich. 
Ivanovich and we had a couple different sets of siblings and he was cracking up laughing so hard at you guys and you guys booked the job so oh I was gosh. like oh that's Sydney Lucas Jake Lucas has a sister <laughs> and then of course the rest is history because of you know fun home and and all of that the rest is history that was such a fun part so there's a specific scene in it where I think it was the people were playing my grandparents and oh I actually think it was just the people playing our grandparents and then Jake and I and then Owen Wilson and Catherine Hahn were supposed to be like in this theater, like presenting this show. And so we get out of the car and we go into the theater and in the, this is part of the actual movie in the theater, they're handing out playbills kind of, but also they're handing out condoms. And so we have, we have this scene where we take the condoms and we're like nine years old and Jake goes, uh, look, it's a rubber. And the grandparents are like, whoa, what? And I go, no, it's a condom. And Jake goes, no, it's a rubber. No, it's a condom. And then uh, my uncle just recently, he saw this movie on TV and I have a, I have a little baby cousin, a nine-year-old baby cousin, Riley, and he saw it on the TV and he goes, Riley, come in, look, it's Jake and Sydney. And it started playing oh, at no. that exact moment. <laughs> no, it's a condom. No, it's a rubber. He was like, no, 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 don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that. But also, and for you, Eli, I feel like I first... I mean, I think you were in Mary Poppins and I was already done. I'd already left Disney, but I certainly knew because I left Disney in 2009. And so I feel like you might have joined the tour like right after that. Yeah, it was actually 2010. Yeah, it was right after that. But I always kept up with who the Jane and Michael Banks were because I spent so many <laughs> years trying to find those kids. So I was like, yeah, like, oh, gosh. And then you just always came in, you know, every all the roles, all the casting. <laughs> so anyway, it's good to see you guys. So good to see you, too. You. You have your own podcast yourself, right? I do. So I have my book, which came out, Confessions of a Casting Director. And actually, Peter Bogdanovich is like, has a quote on the cover, Sydney. He said, Jen Rudin is as good as it gets in the casting department. She is a great eye for talent. The book came out right after we filmed that movie. So I had wanted to write a sequel, and then it seemed like everybody else in the world had a podcast. And so I started my own. And now we're 17 episodes in. And, you know, I keep keep it lean and... And I go to a, a studio, like Danny Burstein was a guest, so I went to a studio. But I just, I'm, I'm doing it all. I'm editing it and I'm promoting wow, it. Wow, good for you. Yeah, oh. it's fun. That's amazing. It's fun. So it's kind of an extension of the book. And actually now during the pandemic, for parents, Wednesdays at 2, these free online Zoom chats about different topics, like life on set for young actors, voiceover, self-tapes. And so usually I just end up turning one of them into a podcast episode for people who couldn't attend. So productive. Yeah, we see that we saw that on your website and what you're doing has been great for not only parents but like also kids to give them an understanding of what really goes on yeah they don't know and uh and i thought you know we're all here we're all home and i started making it wednesdays at two so tomorrow i think is our eighth week i think we're gonna talk about voiceovers so that's what i've been up to but um but hey happy to talk about anything 100 percent. that was actually going to be one of my questions for you is basically like how is this pandemic affecting your work right now i can't imagine i'm actually busier than ever but that's because (laughs) i cast no it's because i cast so much animation and so voiceover has really been happening and i was in the middle of casting an animated series for Netflix. I can't announce it until they announce it. So we were casting. I literally was in LA like right Friday, March 13th when I flew back. So we're still casting it. And we've been doing callbacks and doing things on Zoom and gathering MP3s. And so that's been that's been busy. So I feel like voiceover is the one area right now where it's busy. For sure. Oh, for Can you sure. talk a little bit about the difference between voiceover acting and stage or on camera? Sure. I was a child actor and did voiceovers. That was actually the one area of my childhood acting career that I I enjoyed the most because it didn't matter what you look like and how tall you were and if you mixed and matched well with the family. So I always liked voiceovers. And then luckily for me in the summer of 2002, I went out to LA and Disney was hiring for a new casting director for the feature animation division. And if you look back at some of the classic Disney animated movies like Little Mermaid, Lion King, Pocahontas, it was all Broadway people. Beauty and the Beast... Um, It was Broadway people who were voicing those roles. So I got hired based on my theater background, my background casting theater. Tom Schumacher, who runs Disney Theatrical, was also, and Eli knows him, was also at the time running Disney 
feature animation. So when I got hired, it was like, great, we have a New York theater casting director coming. They moved me out to LA and I, I really didn't know much about animation except that I brought all my playbills with me to California, my playbill collection. They were all up in my office. And then I got there and we were at the point in animation where everything was going from hand-drawn to computer and going from voice actor to celebrity. So I was there during that huge transition period. There's a whole chapter in Confessions of a Casting Director about that time and what was happening. So even though I had, a, I like would bring my playbills to meetings and be like, let's hire Tony Shaloub. And they would look <laughs> at my playbill and be like, somebody looked and said, is that a yearbook? Like that's the disconnect between theater oh, wow. in New York and animation. And oh, I wow. thought to myself, oh my gosh, I think I have to go back to New York. But anyway, I did cast and I still do cast as many theater people in animation as possible. Jennifer Cody was the lead in The Princess mm. and the Frog. Anika Noni Rose, both of those women obviously are musical theater at heart. But there's a big difference. I feel like everybody, and you would know Sydney from Jake, animation and voice recording, and you've done it too, I know, is so tiring and so precise and it is such a skill and either you love it or it's a really excruciating way to make a movie so it's almost like doing ADR but all the time um and four hour sessions in Sydney I used to see you at Big Yellow Duck Jake would be in the session recording Peter Rabbit and you were hanging out with your mom and it's like you're doing line after line three times in a row, three different ways it's very technical and precise and the best people who are good for animation are theater performers because you have the theater training and comedians because they're funny. Oh, yeah. But I can't tell you how many people will email me and say, I want to get into voiceover. And it's like, okay, good <sighs> luck. It's hard. It's really hard and technical. It's really good practice though. It's very tedious, but I know if you go to an acting class, one of the things that they have you practice is saying one line as many different ways as possible. So I think it really does help with the kind of variety and be like, oh my gosh, I can say this one line a plethora of ways. Yes. And also when you think about animation is moving all the time, right? The story is moving, the animation is moving. So you have all these efforts, right? You're running through a tunnel. You're a, you're an elephant and you're, you're, you're not galloping. However, elephants move through the tundra, you know? And so you have to have like so much energy to be able to do it. Keenan Thompson is somebody who did a voice for me in Rock Dog. And I would think to myself, if people could just come to Big Yellow Duck and watch what he is doing, you would see how precise it is and how how amazing he is at it same with lewis black you know owen wilson's done a lot but it's just not one of those it's just everybody thinks it's so easy because they're like oh it's i'll put on my my pajamas and i'll record voiceover and it's it's really difficult and the other thing is that if you take away your beautiful faces and you don't have your face and your eyes to tell the story you just are telling a story with your voice and some people's voices can tell a story and some people are at this sort of soto, you know, monotone level. Right. Wow, I find that so intriguing about voiceovers is like, you can't tell it with your face as much as you try to, when you're doing a voiceover, you want to do it with your face and maybe it'll reflect in your voice, but it does, it doesn't always happen like that. And so when you have to like create a character, it's cool because you're just able to do it with your voice. So you're allowed to experiment with your voice as much as you can and get to know your voice to make it that new character that you want mm -hmm. it to be it's so fascinating and you don't know until you try you know you don't know how it's going to go until you're in the booth till you take off till you take off anything that's ringing and dinging and jewelry until you make sure that you've had a lot of water i mean i can hear so much because i've been casting animation for 20 years I can hear when somebody has a dry mouth. I can hear when somebody has a some sort of speech thing. I, I know when somebody is wearing Invisalign. <laughs> like I'm oh, like wow. a dog, really attuned sense of of hearing, and uh, which is why I have to sleep with earplugs in a noise machine. But <sighs> it's it's a fun thing to cast. I mean, this Netflix show is so I'm so excited about it. And just Friday, I got to call an actor, a theater actor and tell him he got the part. And it's like, he, you know, it's like, those are the moments where you're like, you are going to 
get to voice this role. And it's those are the joyous moments, I think, in casting that we love. And they don't come every day. So right. when they do, we celebrate wow. them. Are you normally sure. the people that calls people when when they... We usually call the agent or the manager and say, guess what? You're going to get an offer. You know, And those are exciting calls to make. So I made it, I think, to Rachel and Elise when for you guys for, for the Peter Bogdanovich movie. Like, guess what? I'm so excited. And 20 years later, I still get excited. You know, I just cast oh. three people on Sesame Street and I got excited to call their agents because it's exciting, right? To get that news. I mean, you guys get it on your end and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah. So usually it's me calling the agent. But in this case on Friday, I just got to call the actor directly and it was like, oh. And That's he kept amazing. going, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, Jen? And I was like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> that would be awesome oh to God. see their raw reaction. Because you hear it from your end, right? Your manager oh, calls sure. you and you're like, oh my God. So you mentioned Kenan Thompson. We love Kenan Thompson. Yes. And I think something that comedians bring to the table, because like, for example, in Saturday Night Live, one of the biggest things to make a skit funny is the commitment. I think when you're in an audition room and it's completely silent around you and you're by yourself in a booth and you have to play like, I don't know, a squirrel with like the super high voice. It takes a lot of commitment to do that and just be like crazy and wacky in a voice booth by yourself. I think that's also, you know, you can kind of, I guess, elaborate on this, but I think that's something really important for voiceovers. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be willing to just go for it and take a risk, you know? Like, we expect when we hire somebody to voice a role, we are expecting them to do all the efforts. That's all the dog barks and yips and yaps and, and, and whatever sounds are necessary. And I've had two really well-known actors who I can't name been in auditions with me over the years. One of them just said, I said, okay, great. That's great. Now I need some dog barks. You know, we try to save the efforts for the end of the session. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, I just, it's not, I, that's not in my world. And he walked out and I was like, okay, well he has a Tony award, so that's okay. I'm not going to run after him. But it just to him, he was like, I'm good. I can voice just re something regular, but if you need all this barking and yipping and yapping, I, it's not in my wheelhouse. And I respect that. And then I had another actor just say to me, this is not for me, meaning you're asking me to like do all the theater stuff that you guys do in theater classes, movement and, you know, let loose and take risks. And it's just not for everybody, right? Because it is, as you said, Sydney, just you in that booth with your imagination. And so you better have an imagination and want to play and collaborate. Otherwise, just do TV where the camera comes, you do your scene, and then you move to the next scene, right? It's not for everybody. I also think it's very important to just, like, let go of any embarrassment as well. Like, because, you know, what your first kind of instinct when you go in the room is like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. I think it's important to just let that go, because that's, that's also not going to serve you in the... Well, it's true. You have to let go and you have to be willing to put yourself out there. But animation also, like whether it's TV animation or adult sort of Big Mouth or Bob's Burgers or Phineas and Ferb and or Peter Rabbit, which was a sweet, softer, sort of more earnest animated show, it just doesn't matter. You just have to play and go for it because it's a super fun job, but also really difficult and technical and not for everybody. You also have to be really patient four times in a row, again and again and again, you know, it's it's not for everybody. I personally, yeah. when I was a young actor, I loved voiceover because, and I was like the voice of, I think, Ramona's sister Beezus in the Ramona books and did some, uh, some voiceovers that I enjoyed. But I liked it because I couldn't stand being on set. I was like, why is it taking so long for them to move the lights? Why is it four in the morning and we're at this mall in Kentucky? I'm tired. I couldn't deal with set life at all. <laughs> I, I don't like to not know when I can when I can go home. You know, yeah. when you're on set, you can't be like, excuse me, when can I go home? You, you're just not, you can't do that. So for me, I loved voiceover because you had your booking, you did it, and then you could go home and do your homework. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So I don't know. It's different. You know, everybody has a different sense of what they like to do. It's interesting because like as far as voiceovers, when you go back to saying that each actor has to do each line three times or three or four times or whatever, I feel like getting those, I guess you could say embarrassing lines out of the way on the first day because that's like most awkward. You kind of just get into the rhythm and like I feel when doing voiceovers, doing them four different ways is super helpful to give not only you but also the creative team the totally different options that it could go in all the different voices that you want to portray and lay out there because especially like me because Sydney knows I have like 14 talking voices oh, one great. day it's like lower one day it's like super high I don't know it's like crazy I don't know I, I just wake up that day and then I love to make like random sounds and stuff so like when I'm in a recording booth, it's so fun for me. No, it's for you and and giving the giving the creative team options, right? Yeah. We find that like the first recording session is kind of get to know each other, and you know sometimes there's stuff you can't use in the final movie. I know that you know Eddie Izzard is one of the geniuses. I've cast him in Rock Dog and in a movie called The Wild, and he's so willing to to throw himself in there. He put a garbage can over his head once in a recording. <laughs> He was supposed to be trying, he was supposed to be stuck in a, he was a koala bear stuck in a, you know, stuck in a tree. I mean, just very inventive, very inventive. And so I always make the young actors I work with, I make them watch some of these animated movies and like, let's look at Janine Garofalo's performance in The Wild. Let's look at Eddie Izzard and Mae Whitman. It's another, Mae Whitman is another example. Mae Whitman from Parenthood and Good Girls. And she's the voice of Tinkerbell and she's an avatar and she's done, you know, so much animation and she also does live action. It's like how to be able to go back and forth between those two, you know, genres is really a gift. So, and also what's fun about animation is scheduling is not an issue. So Sydney, like, I think I called Elise once about a project and she's like, Sydney's in Texas. <laughs> she's shooting the sun. And I'm oh. like, oh, she's she has a job. Like she can't do, she's not available. But with animation, usually it's, you know, where can we find the four hours? No matter how busy you are as an actor, where can we find four hours in your schedule to be able to do the session? And that's a great relief, I think, for us on the scheduling end. Yeah, for sure. You, you also mentioned that you started out in the business when you were eight, I believe, uh, yes. as an actor. And then also I read that when you were 12 and when you're doing a final callback, that that's when you kind of got the bug for being a casting director. What specifically was it that made you go like, oh, I want to do that? In in this podcast and in Fun Home, we call that the ring of keys moment. We see it. Oh, you know, like the realization moment. The real- yeah. That's great. I'm going to use that, the ring of keys moment. Well, I think for me, I found auditioning to be very stressful and very, I don't want to say anxiety provoking, but I got so caught up in the auditions. You know, it's very hard for me to not lie awake at night praying to God, please, please, please let me get the part. And meanwhile, God would be like, why should I listen to you now, Jen? We never talk. We only talk when you want. <laughs> a role why would i possibly like we had no relationships but i would just lie there and i couldn't sort of let it go you know i couldn't just go to an audition let it go and get on with the next one and i also don't think i was very good i had like a very limited i was sort of like the funny friend in the after school special with like the funny lines i didn't have the depth that you two have and that you both had as young actors but actually at this audition i was it was the final callback for an after school special and there was like group a and group b of kids and i looked at the casting director and i really had as you said the ring of keys moment where i looked at her and i thought 
that is what I'm going to do because she's making this very stressful situation better. She is making us feel good. She's putting us at ease and she is facilitating this meeting between us and the director and the network. And we had to go and wait in the hall while the next group went in. And I also have a photographic memory. So I'm very clear with like, who was in what and who's with who in terms of agents. I have a very good memory and I'm good with people. So I thought that's probably what I'll do. So it took a long time before it actually happened. Most of my 20s I spent trying to act again. And also I worked at Innovative Artists for a year, assisting an agent there and decided like, should I be an agent or should I go back to casting? So it took a while, but yeah, 12 years old, I remember that that day. And meanwhile, I didn't get the TV show. I went back to theater camp and was miserable because I didn't book it. Turns out the girl that booked it then booked a much bigger movie. <laughs> so she couldn't do it. She became unavailable. I had to go back in one more time to the team and like pulled an all nighter coming home from summer camp. And thank goodness I got the part. And it was just, it made for a happy ending, but it also goes to show actors that timing, you know, timing is everything. You never know what's going to happen. That's a very interesting perspective sure. from a casting director saying, yeah, man, auditioning is stressful. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wow. It's daunting. And also you have to remember half the reason why I wanted to write Confessions of a Casting Director was because I kept seeing everybody come into the audition room making very minor mistakes that I knew could be corrected if there was time. So when I was around the country, it was January 2009, to find a new mermaid for The Little Mermaid on Broadway. We did open calls in 10 cities across the US. 600 young women came in to, to sing for Ariel. And I wanted to say to them, you're lovely, but that's the wrong song cut. Or you did a great job, but you're wearing a mermaid dress. You don't need to wear a mermaid dress. So I started taking notes for the book. And then when I got back to New York, I talked to Tom Schumacher and said, I really want to write this book because I really want to help actors because if they would just do a few different things, I guarantee you will have a better audition. And it's little things like be early, be memorized, have yourself in order, leave all your messy baggage out in the hallway, you know, come in, do your job, don't linger, don't shake hands, you know, things like that. Little things, little things. Absolutely. You have a photographic memory. That is so cool. Yeah. Like you can read. This is just so cool. I'm sorry, I'm always super interested in people who have photographic memories. Can you kind of explain what so, that is? Yeah, I can. It just means, well, my husband, who you've met, Sydney, would laugh because he's he calls it a selective photographic memory because he's like, you can remember who replaced who in Brighton Beach Memoirs on Broadway in 1984, but you can't remember what drawer <laughs> the serving utensil goes in in our kitchen. So I just want to preface it by saying, you know, selective... Meaning like I'm very good with names, agent names, agency names, facts about people, remembering what people wore. Like I remember so many child actors that have come through the doors. I know their names. I remember what they came in for, what day they came in. Like it's just, it's a good, very sort of hyper-focused photographic memory. That being said, as much as I can tell you, these facts about who replaced who in what Broadway show, you know, back in the 80s. Again, it's selective because it doesn't seem to work in our kitchen, <laughs> but it works in other places. So it's a database in my head, right? I remember actors' names. I'll know, like, not you, Sydney, because we have a relationship and I've known you for a long time, but another young actor will come in and I'll think like, oh, they came in in 2011 for Touch, the Kiefer Sutherland show that we did for Fox, things like that. So wow. it's just having... But you that's guys awesome. memorize lines somehow, so you must, you know. Oh, that's short term. <laughs> <laughs> I memorize uh. it; it immediately wipes from my brain. That's okay. You know, it's everybody has their everybody has their strengths. I've got a good memory for things. I'm I'm very organized because you really have to be in casting. So I'm very much like yeah. task oriented and action steps. And here's my to do list. And you know, in casting, I think people think casting is like it's so creative, and you're like in the room with Steven Spielberg, and it's like, well, you are in the room with Peter Bogdanovich, but there's so much that has to happen. 
there's so much work. There's status reports. You know, when we find out like Sydney Lucas is not available because she's shooting a TV show in Texas, like that all has to be documented. And there's the log sheets of who came in for the audition. What date did they come in? Who's their agent? You know, what's their height? Like all that stuff. So I think that that's also why I'm good at my job is because I know that if you don't have that type of brain, then you get fired you know, they'll find another casting director to cast. So, and keeping things on track, you know, the Peter Bogdanovich days of casting. I mean, we had so many actors to see and, you know, we were behind and it's like, you have to, how do you gently tell a famous director that he needs to kind of pick up the pace a little bit, you know, in the audition room. And it's sort of about being diplomatic, like being a casting director is sort of like being a bartender. It's like you're presenting choices, right? For the director to choose, And you're also facilitating, as I talked about when I was 12, facilitating a day where a lot of moving parts are happening and trying to do it all, you know, flawless so that it all goes well. It's, it's not easy and it's, but it can be fun for sure. What an interesting comparison. Bartending. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I I like that. Because it is, it, you're right. It, it's so. Or, or being like working at a retail store. So sometimes I used to joke like pilot season. It's like we're open from ten to six. We're seeing actors from ten to six. We will close the door and eat lunch. <laughs> um, you know, and by retail meaning like every actor that comes in, you're like, hey Eli, how are you? Good. Let's get. Let's any questions? Good. Let's go. Like let me sell <laughs> yeah. you. Let's do the scene. And you want to be friendly and courteous, but there's not a lot of time to chit chat, as you know, with casting directors because they're on a schedule. Like you've mentioned, you have you have a book called Confessions of a Casting Director: Help Actors Land Any Role with Secrets from Inside the Audition Room. We actually have that book. My mom got that book. I think kind of when I was starting a business, I'm not entirely sure when she got it, but she was like, oh yeah, we have that book. And she (laughs) read the entire thing. I think especially when you're kind of starting out in the business, the prospect of auditioning can be very daunting and scary. What I want to ask you is, is there some advice that you can give to either new actors or, or people who've been doing it for a long time about, I guess, what to do in auditions or the do's and don'ts of auditioning. And especially, like I said, with people who are new to the business, even knowing just what to expect going into an audition. It's such a crazy, I mean, that's why I wrote the book to help people, right? To sort of break down the walls that we're not just these casting people on this side of the table and we're mean that we want you to please come in and do a good audition and help us get, you know, cast the role. There's no logic in show business or to auditions. You know, I always say to people, especially parents who are thinking, considering starting their kids because they want to help their kids pursue their dreams. I always say, it's not like when you sign up for soccer, you get a soccer uniform, you get a schedule, and you know that for the next, you know, three months or however long soccer season is, your child is going to play soccer and they're going to keep score. And some team is going to win and the other team is going to lose. And you can sort of chart how you're doing. This is like, there's no soccer, there's no uniform, there's no guarantee. Every single time you come into the city for an audition, you may, you're probably not going to get it. You may not get it. It's a numbers game. So it's hard to try to understand it from an analytical brain because it's just got no rules. I mean, it's so last minute. It's There's highs and lows. We all know the highs are high and the lows are really low, you know, in terms of the possibility, the promise, the rejection. It's just very heartbreaking. So I think you have to just know, like, I am embarking on pursuing my dreams in a business that got its own really big set of challenges and to just kind of roll with the punches. But being prepared is the most important thing. And it sounds so easy, but you would be shocked how many actors will come into an audition and be like, um... I just got the sides, but what I read was really good. And I hope, you know, and so, and they're a mess. And it's like, I did my job. I sent the agent the sides or posted them three days ago. You don't have your, you don't, you don't have Mm -hmm. your sides. And now you're coming in and you're insulting, you know, let's say Janine Tesori, right? From Fun Home and Lisa Crone. If somebody walked into that audition room for Fun Home and was like, oh my God, I just got the script and it's, I just, they're a wreck. It's like, they're going to look at them and be like, you're wasting our time. So you have to look at every single audition as a potential job interview, but also there's no guarantee you're ever going to get that job, but you might get another job, the same casting director six months later. So it's just, it's very difficult. And I think trying to manage expectations, you know, be as prepared as possible, show up 
15 minutes early, but not an hour early. And if you're an hour early, go to Starbucks and don't come to the casting office an hour early because we can't see you or we're eating lunch or we're on a conference call. But being prepared is the most important thing because once you know your script, then you can come into the audition and do some acting, right? Actors just want to act. So that's the beauty of the audition is that you get to act at 440 on a Tuesday. Even if you don't love the part, you get an opportunity, but it's not like soccer. It's just not. And also at the end of the day, you could still do so well at the soccer game, but then they're like, well, you didn't get it because they don't like your hair color or they're, you know, yeah. you're too tall. And it's like, but I'm good at soccer. Doesn't matter. So I feel like the sports comparison can really help people try to see the differences. It's interesting that you say that because we actually had a guest on, Josh Lehman, and he he said something similar. He was like, the one thing you can do in an audition room is be present, be prepared, and passionate. Mm -hmm. And it yeah, yeah. stuck with us. And Sydney and I, and we were like, it's so true because if you're not prepared, you won't be present. I mean, rejection is going to come like <laughs> that's it's going to come way more often than you actually get cast in something. It, it's also interesting that you mentioned sometimes it, this was going to be one of my questions. What kind of goes into casting a role? There's so many different factors in in how people get cast. It could genuinely just be like their hair that maybe like, oh, I mean, I like this person's hair better. Maybe they like the way this person acted, but this person looks exactly the way they intended. It's, you know, there's just a bunch of different factors that go into casting a role. Yeah, and I think for actors to understand, like, if you didn't get the part, it's just not the time. You know, there's so many, as you said, Sydney, there's so many factors that go into it, you know, mixing and matching, you know, when we're doing kids casting, like, you know, Owen and Catherine Hahn, we knew that they were cast as the parents. And so we knew like, oh, we probably should be looking for Peter Bogdanovich's movie with like sort of redheadish, you know, um, um, paler kids. We don't need dark haired, you know, Italian. We need like Owen Wilson, Catherine Hahn, you know, sort of um, waspy, you know, aristocratic looking. I say aristocratic just because that means like, you know, cheekbones and aristocratic. But um, but yeah, there's so there's so much that goes into it. I mean, and also to keep in mind that while our job is to present like a bartender, we can't shove, you know, my philosophy on casting is I can't, I don't want to shove my opinion um, down a director's throat, right? I don't want to be like, you have to hire Sydney Lucas because she's da, da da because then the director will be like, okay, like she better be good when she comes into the audition room because you've just told me how great she is. I knew deep down that Nika Noni Rose was the very best choice to be T Princess Tiana in The Princess and the Frog. Okay, she went to ACT and had the acting training. She had won the Tony Award for Carolina Change, right? Mm -hmm. She came to see me at Disney about six months before the movie was greenlit. There was a piece of artwork upstairs on the development floor with uh, Disney's first African-American princess. I knew deep down, I was like, oh, okay, she would be a beautiful voice to come out of the princess. I said to Anika, listen, if we ever have an African-American princess, you would be perfect for the role. Well, the movie gets greenlit, which means for your listeners gets put into motion. She was the very first person to come into audition, um, gave an incredible audition, sang five songs and sounded like a girl from New Orleans in the 1920s. But during that time, Dreamgirls came out. And while Anika was in the movie Dreamgirls, Jennifer oh. Hudson walked away with all of the accolades and the Academy Award and the Golden Globe and Beyonce was in it. And suddenly we needed to see Jennifer Hudson read. We also wanted to go to New Orleans to see if we might be able to find a young actress there because wouldn't that be a nice story? And I went to New York. So between the three different cities, Anika was the very first person to come in. And then Alicia Keys came several times to audition so it was sort of like oh, wow. and then montego glover broadway no star montego glover was understudying fantasia in the color purple and she gave a great audition so at the end of the day it was between alicia keys anika noni rose and montego glover and i would lie awake at night or you know then be like who is gonna get this part and i didn't push anika i knew what how i wanted it to go but I let them decide, you know, they had to cut the voices to picture and everybody, I mean, it's trying to get a bill passed in Congress most of the time, especially at a studio to get casting done. So she got the part and 
The good news is her manager and agent let me be on that phone call, which was really nice of them because I, at that point, I was like so invested and she got it, but it, it was seven months of a casting process and we just didn't know how it was going to end up. There's political reasons why people get cast, there's personal reasons, and then there's the good old fashioned, she was so perfect for the part. So there's different ways to, oh, and Nikki James, Elise's client, she was in the mix at one point. So it's like, there's a lot of factors yes, going on and you know and that that whole story is in the animation chapter of confessions of a casting director because it was this long process and you know a complicated one um and you know and you hope you make the right choice and sometimes you cast and you're like that was not you know it didn't work out and then you have to replace people that's a whole other terrible <laughs> you brought up another question of mine when you are casting for something you bring in the people and you bring in the options for the director and producers and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's them that choose them. Well, it's right? sort of everybody together having a discussion. So for instance, with the Mary Poppins casting, I'm sure you will remember that, you know, we would bring the kids, you know, there's the final rounds, we'd bring the kids in groups and we'd play those theater games. And a lot of it was to assess, you know, who plays nicely, right? And can you guys work together? A lot of it was to assess which kid in this group might have ADD or can't sustain the concentration, you know, to play Michael Banks, which is like mm. you know, two hours and 50 oh, minutes, pretty much. You had to be really focused. So sometimes we'd see kids and it's like, well, they, they don't, they're not ready yet, but we'll have them come in in six months. Maybe they'll be a little bit more mature. That, that was the case for some kids. So those mixing and matchings was for the creative team to take a look at everybody and observe and see. And then from there, we would choose the final people to put in front of Tom Schumacher. And then he would decide mm. or, you know, everybody would decide together and Tom would say, OK, that sounds good. And I approve. And Tom would then ask questions to people, you know, to the kids. And then we'd put all the headshots on the table. And it's like I would watch and go, OK, somebody's dreams are about to come true and somebody is probably going to go home and be crying you know, how could you not? I mean, I ran an open call in Atlanta for Mary Poppins. I'll never forget. We had all these kids. They sang a little bit of Let's Go Fly a Kite. Everybody did a little solo. And then it was time for me to decide who was going to stay and who was going to go. And I'll never forget. I mean, I called out the numbers. You're wearing these numbers at these open calls. You guys probably have never been to them. It's crazy. And I called out a few numbers and this one little redhead girl just burst into tears because she didn't make the finals. And I was like, oh my God, I've just made this young girl cry. Well, it wasn't me. It was the disappointment of not making it to the next round. And so finally, I realized that the best way to approach it is to say, we are going to make some cuts and keep some people. Please keep singing with your voice teachers. Please keep going to dance class. Please keep training and come back and see us again. Because otherwise, no amount of ice cream or going out for lunch is like gonna make them feel better. So that goes back to my own, you know, rejection as a child actor and how I would process stuff. But you know, that's heartbreaking, sure. really. But then like, she was more right for Annie than Jane Banks. And by that point, we were so clear with like, who's a Jane Banks, who's a Michael Banks, you know, I could pick before anybody even opened up their mouth. You played it on the tour, Eli? Yeah. Did you go to Broadway after? I did not. Oh, okay. It closed. There right. were like talks, but then it that's closed right. and I just closed out oh, the tour. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And life a dream a dream role oh absolutely especially because like it was my first ever professional job outside of my hometown and the fact that i was able to travel and see the world which is something that my family and i rarely yeah. do it was just an incredible experience. Well, I have a chapter in the book about life on tour. And it's funny because mm -hmm. um, I had originally pitched the book to HarperCollins to be just for stage parents because there's so much, back to your oh, question, Sydney, there's so much misinformation out there and so much bad information. So when HarperCollins bought the book, they said, why don't you just make that a chapter for the parents and like cover actors of all ages and we'll, you know, it'll sell to more people. Um, so I interviewed all these parents about life on tour and about life on Broadway. I didn't know your mom then, Sydney, otherwise I would have had Carrie come over to my house. And like going on tour with your kids, like my God, like one parent's at home with the sibling and you're sharing a hotel room. And for the kids, it's really fun. But like for Mondays, your day off is when you're traveling. I mean, 
It's not glamorous at all. Well, to be honest, when I was a kid, <laughs> I always wanted to go on a tour. Like, it was like, oh, my God, because I love traveling. I thought it would be so much fun. And then my brother, Jake, got cast in a Christmas story while I was in the off-Broadway run of Fun Home. So my dad stayed home with me and, and you know, took me to and from my shows. And then my mom traveled with my brother all around the world. So, yeah, it really does split the family apart. It really does take that sacrifice, not just from you, but from the yes. entire family if you want to be a child actor. It was crazy for me. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Because I was just nine years old and I didn't know what even theater was, to be honest. Like, I was just kind of there for the ride. And I saw, like, Mary Poppins on Broadway before my audition just to get, like, sure. reference. And that was, like, my real first experience. And then when I was being taken away for a year from my family, it was just so out of the blue and out of right field and it was like but it was the best I wouldn't oh and you anything. i'm sure you're still friends with your janes and your michael i mean be, i mean because oh, you bonded sure. in these incredibly that you know i know like for you sydney with fun home um your your understudy was sawyer, sawyer. Right? Sawyer, who sawyer also yes. i think was in yeah. peter rabbit so i'm sure you and sawyer became friends she was yeah yeah she, yeah. she mittens, played a, I think. Uh... but even even if you guys bonded yeah, yeah. or bonded with your understudy on Broadway, it's very different when you're on tour. The the level of bonding is even because it's like summer camp. It's like you're on this tr extended trip. You do everything together. together versus New York, where you would go yeah. home at night and sleep in your own bed. You're, you're you know Eli was going back to the hotel and like jumping on the bed and eating pizza and all these things. I mean, I think <laughs> my one friend, my sister's neighbor, um, her son got cast as the um, swing in school of rock and she was like it's just six months we're going on tour and i said i need you to reread that chapter in my book because i just want <laughs> you to know that while he's 11 and is going to have the time of his life you are his mother and you are going to be in the hotel room with him traveling on days off making connection flights you know cheapest flights available it's just not glamorous different pillows i mean i just i don't think i could handle it yeah it's crazy no one really adds yeah. those things together i feel like when they i i don't know i feel like not many people understand the whole process of it that everything that goes into it and that's kind of why sydney and i wanted to make this podcast to shine a light on things that maybe people didn't really yeah. take into No, and there's so much wisdom that people can learn from you guys. But also, you got the call, like, you booked the tour. You're starting rehearsal Monday in <laughs> Lexington, Kentucky. And you're like, oh, my God. I'm going on tour. I started in right, Canada. I started in Canada. Like, you're going to have a job. Yeah. Now, off you go to fly. And so you often don't have – I mean, I used to have people call me at Disney and say, well – you know, she, managers would call me and say, well, she lives in Westchester, so can they just give her the Broadway? Why did they offer her the tour? And I'm like, I can't <laughs> control that, you know? Why? I mean, for Lion King, we used to put the out-of-town kids on the tour because they could make a per diem, and we used to put the New York, try to put some of the New York kids on Broadway because they lived here already. But to relocate, you know, to come be in a Broadway show is expensive and so sometimes we would say well we'll put them on the tour but and they would say to me can't she her mom's gonna have to quit her job she's how who's gonna take her on tour and it's like i don't know but you know you auditioned you came this far you need to have these conversations ahead of time so that so it's not such a shock yeah, exactly. you have to pack a suitcase definitely yeah, yeah. it's just flexibility flexibility now how how many years were you in texas filming your show so we did two seasons each season took about five to six months 
So in total, it was about a year in Texas. And yeah, it's also really cool, like having to do online school, because if you're coming from a place that you don't, especially as a kid, if you're coming from a place where your school is there and then you come to New York, you're how are you going to do school? You can either get a new school or what normally happens. I like to say tutoring in quotes. (laughs) Amen. Tutoring. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so accurate. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, I mean, schooling is a big yeah. deal, but I do want to share one story about your dad, Sydney, which is the sweetest about Ed. So we obviously became friendly between Peter Rabbit and Peter Bogdanovich. So I got engaged. It was June of 2015. It's my husband, Andy. And we ran into Jake and Ed on like 46th Street. They were on their way to school or Big Yellow Dock. And I was like, we ran into them and we were going to get my ring resized. We had just gotten engaged the night before. And I was like, oh my God, Jake, we took a picture. I have a picture that I'll try to find. And I said to Ed, what are you guys up to? And he goes, yeah, we're done with the recording and we're, you know, I'm taking Jake to school. And then he turned to my husband and he said, you know, someday I just want to be on my boat, <laughs> go on a boat where nobody can find me and I can have a little quiet and you know, where I don't have to, you know, be so scheduled. Or he said oh something God. really brilliant that I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he just basically was like, Someday, because he, he his point was, I, I got Sydney's here and she's in, in, and this is happening and I got to get Jake to school and I got to get Jake to the recording and Sydney has rehearsal and all this scheduling and the the taking the kids around. And it was just this moment where he said to my husband, like, someday I just want to have a boat and go on my boat and nobody can find me. So you that have to tell your dad like that I dad. remember that story. And meanwhile, I was like, I mean, you know, look at my ring, oh, Jake. And sure. Jake's like, Hey, Jen, how are you? With his big glasses on, like, <laughs> those gigantic glasses. Giant glasses. Just a nice moment, you know. He's a, he's a man now. He's He has grown up. It's insane. I, I can't even, I don't even recognize him anymore. I'll tell him I say hi. I will. Jen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for giving us I your time. I hope this was somewhat focused. We, I, we could just sit and talk. I mean, just the, the bottom line is, folks, you know, buy, buy yourself a copy of Confessions of a Casting Director because it really the type of book you can keep in your bag and sort of thumb through and flip through. And I always love when I meet actors and they show me the book and it has all of these like stickies in it and, and all of that. And then if you want to listen to the podcast, it's been so fun. Uh, You know, either maybe we'll see if we can share the episode and air it on and we'll see about that. We'll see what's allowed. Is it on like, it's on Apple, Spotify, you know, wherever you, wherever you get your podcast fix. Yeah. Give it a listen. Everyone. But I'm so, so nice to see you guys. And I always feel a really nice, like lump in my throat when I see everybody grown up because I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> they were, you know, because, because of the, my specialty with kids casting and sort of my connection with young actors and to see that you guys have, you know, sort of survived and are coming out the other end. Okay. <laughs> which is no small feat, seriously. Thank you so much. This has been so informative and wonderful. Thank you My so pleasure. much for, for giving we'll your time. Hopefully we'll do it in person and You're some amazing. forever allowed out of our house. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, bye everyone. Take a bow, Jennifer Rudin. Thank you for coming on. Those stories that she had were pretty incredible because, I don't know, I feel like sometimes casting directors get underappreciated in a way because you know there's no tony award for them and there's no like oh yeah there's no major thing for casting directors and casting directors have an interesting job to where they are the ones that bring in the talent so they're handed the script right and they're like hmm who could i see playing this and they kind of put the puzzle together yeah they're like the first brainstorming and then they bring those people in and then from there they can actually see the people in action and be like, yeah, that actually does work or no, I thought something else. So then if they fit that image, then they go on to the creative team and the creative team ultimately decides and gets their image of it. But that initial trying to puzzle it together out of nothing, like at least they're the ones that give the creative team something and like already like a picture, but she literally yeah. brings it out of nothing. And with all of these candidates that she just brings in and has to limit it down so it's quite amazing what they do yeah it's like it's like magic i'm so grateful that 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 she came on because perspectives from a casting director herself or themselves are are like rare i don't see them often and so that's why so that's why you know you should go and check out her podcast and her book because yeah 
casting directors are very powerful and to hear what they want to see in when when someone comes into an audition room or to see what what goes through their mind when they're when they're casting is it's pretty big yeah i mean oftentimes when you're auditioning and doing stuff you hear other people who are going through the experience and have more experience you know they're saying like soak it all in be a sponge like listen to what they have to say so the fact that we were able to like listen to a casting director themselves and actually like have that kind of conversation I've never really had that before so having her actually like say stuff really resonated with me and it just like is very helpful for anyone I feel yeah and to tell the story of what it's like on the other side Mm -hmm. because all of our guests have talked about you know what it's like auditioning what it's you know how it feels for us but on this podcast we haven't yet talked about what it's like for them what it's like what you know what an audition is for them so very special very very cool and if you guys like you know obviously whoever is listening you probably like the entertainment industry and stuff like that but it's not everyone wants to be on stage so like if you are one that wants to be more behind the scenes i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we're gonna have more episodes like this from people that are behind the scenes just to get more perspectives and try to just help you guys grab grasp a better understanding of like oh yeah that is something that would be really cool and something that i'm interested in yeah anyone from from child wranglers to tutors to directors to dressers like and, yeah. and and writers like we'll have all of those people on so again that's 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 why i love this podcast because all of those people deserve to take bows not just the not just the actors and that was definitely something like we took going back on the, that name just take a bow like that's why we wanted it to be so general like that yeah, exactly. where it could fit anyone that yeah, we bring it was, on it was very important for us yeah even like people that just love theater whether it's just watching it whether it's wanting to be a part of it in any way that they can like everyone deserves to be recognized for it exactly but yeah going back to jennifer rudin like you were you and i were talking and the the pieces that she's been a part of like oh my god she's worked for disney for like how long it's incredible she did the animation and then she did did the theater and the animations she did movies like princess and the frog the incredibles chicken little and meet the the robinsons which are literally like four of my all-time favorite animated films ever i love those movies and i couldn't imagine any other voices portraying those people it was it was nice to hear her perspective on casting those and and just hearing her thought process well i loved that like those four movies aren't like like those are tough movies like those are like legit movies that deal with you know you could say like I know in seventh grade, you and I, we did like a whole report on The Incredibles and how <laughs> you, the men are like super like muscular and stuff, but they portray the women as like the weaker things, you know? And then you have yeah, like yeah. Princess the Frog with like a bl- black princess. It was Disney's first black princess. Like those were tougher stories, I guess, that were portrayed. And so yeah, it was important to get it right. all of these impactful and amazing stories that was revolutionary for Disney. And so for her to be a part of that is just something so cool. Like all four of those movies are really special in their own way. And so I think that it's cool if you look at Jennifer Rudin's resume, all of her work is really like deep and like you can tell she can look at a script and really tell if she can put her all into this and giving it all to help portray this meaningful story. So I really love that about that. And what's also really special is, and we touched we touched on this in the actual interview, but Jenna's cast Eli, me, and my brother in, for me and my brother, we were cast in a, a movie together. Oh, gotcha. Which is so much fun. In the same movie? Yeah, we... we yeah, in the same movie. We we literally did the... Aud- well, I, I think how it went was I auditioned on my own, Jake auditioned on his own, and then we got a call back, and then we auditioned together. Oh, and that was a movie. That was a movie with Owen Wilson and Katherine Hahn and Jennifer Aniston. It, it was called uh, "She's Funny That Way." It was so much fun. That's I awesome. it was, and just to do it with my brother was just so special and so much fun. It was crazy fun. We had we had a we laughed a ridiculous amount on that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. She casted me and Mary Poppins on tour. Oh, um, really? 
Yeah, so I all of my auditions with her have been for theater. There may have been one, like, TV slash film audition that I had with her. But I remember, like, she, for a bit, I was literally just auditioning for Jennifer Rudin. Like, I felt oh, yeah. like she was casting, like, every theater thing for a second. It's also so special, the fact that she's cast voiceovers and, and movies and film and theater and she has all of this knowledge about all of these different side of the entertainment business she she knows she knows her stuff well, and it's not like it's one category like no it's no, no, no. her age range is literally from kids Everyone. like literally small really really Tiny little kids yeah. Yeah. yeah like six seven year olds yeah um to like six-year-olds you know like yeah. with the with the movies that she's casted and the shows that she's casted I mean it's incredible so not only is it like it's not a small circle you know no. like with that age range it's quite it's quite large so she's definitely like knows her stuff and has yeah. done a lot of research on it all so bravo Jen Rudin yeah thank you guys so much for listening and thank you so much Jen for coming on tune in next week for another episode it's our right, 13th episode which is actually one of my lucky numbers which is really it's weird numbers too. yeah i actually remember us having this conversation because okay really? maybe we should talk about this on the 13th episode but yeah well stay tuned for the 13th episode and we hope you like this one we love this one we 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 love jen so much and uh stay safe we love you bye everyone thanks for listening see you next week Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.